Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week. From the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. So on this week's episode, it's a, I would say, a very special edition. I'm, we're both recording in LA, which already makes things quite unusual. But we just spent the weekend at all sorts of Emmy-related events. And we have a lot to discuss about our various run-ins. We, I was at the Emmys last night. Julie was as well. And we went to a bunch of after parties. So we have so much to dig into about this weekend. It's, I know. it's almost overwhelming. We really covered it from all angles. We tag-teamed the actual Emmys. I was backstage in the press room. And Josh was in the audience with the rest of the nominees. So we'll start with Goop. Yes. Josh got us into this amazing, I guess they were opening, or what was it? It was a collaboration between Goop and Christian Louboutin. Yeah, so Goop has had a few, had a few pop-up stores, but this is the first time they've ever had a brick-and-mortar store. Like, this is a permanent location at the Brentwood Country Mall. Is that what it's called, Julie? Country Mart. And it was not really—I guess, no, it was in no way related to the Emmys. It was just happened to be the Thursday before the Emmys. But it was kind of—I don't know. It was a, It was kind of a—how do you even describe it? A spectacle, because— Gwyneth was—the store is almost set up like a house, so each part of the store is meant to resemble, like, this part's supposed to be the living room, this part's supposed to be the kitchen. So you're supposed to—and then because Gwyneth was actually there herself at this party, it felt like, in a weird way, you were coming to, like, Gwyneth's home, you know? Right. It was very much like an anthropology vibe. So there was a little bathroom area, a little little kitchen, a little bedroom, and then there was a surprise guest neither of us had anticipated at all. Which was Apple Martin, Gwyneth's daughter who was 13, and she was just kind of roaming the premises and having a blast, but also just, like, in her own world. Like, right. completely separate from everyone else at the party. Everybody else was at least 20 years older than her and dressed in full co- cocktail attire. Yeah, her—so for those not as familiar with Apple as <laughs> Julie and I are, she's Chris Martin and Gwyneth's daughter. She is— I guess that's really all we know about her. She, right. <laughs> I'm about to do like a full Wikipedia breakdown, but what else do we have to say about her? She's gorgeous, obviously. She yeah. looks like Gwyneth. She's blonde hair. Very tall for 13. She she looks, I mean, my cousin, I'm trying to think. She, she Yeah, she definitely has a mature vibe to her, probably maybe being around all the adults. I'm sure she's always around. She also is wearing denim, all denim. So a denim kind of jean jacket and then matching sort of light, jeans. Right. I don't even know what shoes, but she walked around with such confidence yeah. that I, at 33, <laughs> am not sure I quite have. She definitely feels to me like she has, like, fa- not fame necessarily, but she has great things ahead of her. Like, she just has this kind of confidence about herself that's very impressive. And, like, I would I would be, like, I would work for her, you know? Right. <laughs> like, if she wanted to hire me to work for her company <laughs> at 13. And it was kind of like we were walking into Sarah Foster, Aaron Foster's Instagram video feed because it was mm. all of those characters. It was, like, Molly Sims, Demi Moore was there. Toby McGuire's ex-wife. What's Jennifer that? Meyer. Jennifer Meyer. Rachel Zoe. There, there's a whole bunch of those kind of Kelly Sawyer, these sort of Gwyneth pals. Right. Everybody was drinking like sparkling rosé and eating oysters. Yeah. And then there was Apple. And then there was Apple. And Apple was, so I got to talk to Gwyneth uh, for a few minutes and it was a kind of, it, it, the party was very crowded. The store was very hot. So it wasn't the most 
I don't know. It, it was it was a it was an interview, but it was just definitely like a lot going on. So while I was talking to Gwyneth, Apple came up first with a pair of shoes, and she said, you know, like like mom, what do you like? Hint, hint, hint. Like she wanted it, and I want you know it was. Like, isn't she, as, if she, as if she was just realizing her mom was Gwyneth Paltrow, I felt like I was kind of like, girl, you can have those shoes, I'm sure, like your mom designed them. And then she picked out a pair of pants and held them up to both of us. And, and I love that Josh was standing there. I took a little video, if you didn't see on our Instagram feed, but Josh had like his microphone. He was clearly <laughs> interviewing her, yeah. but it didn't matter to Apple. No, and then she asked about... Um, these pants, and then she told us that she was really upping her fashion game, <laughs> at which point, and Gwyneth, I guess, kind of kindly was like, oh, they're darling about the pants. And then I said, yeah, you're, you know, I, I love this all denim look because it was resemble, like, and I said, it reminds you of Britney and Justin when Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake wore their matching all denim looks at the American Music Awards in 2001. Apple obviously wasn't born in, in 2001. She had no idea what I was talking about. It was actually probably my most profound moment yet of feeling like a, a generation. Yeah, a generation has shifted where now this like 13-year-old tween who's like super cool has no idea who Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake are. <laughs> but then Gwyneth very nicely said, oh, totally. Like, and she gave me kind of like an approving also, she had an amazing manicure. Oh, yeah. And she was just went up to the jewelry case, was trying everything on. She was like the only person there eating the French fries. She was really in her element. I asked Gwyneth, though, to tie this to the Emmy theme of this episode, that uh, I asked her what she was going to be rooting for. And as a nice little appetizer teaser for the rest of our weekend, she said immediately Big Little Lies. And then I feel like she kind of caught herself because her her boyfriend, Brad Falchuk, is the producer with Ryan Murphy. So she didn't, of course, anything Ryan Murphy. But you can see she's a huge Big Little Lies girl. So and, we have that in common with her. And why shouldn't she be? Yeah, no, definitely. And then the next night, should we just go right into Yeah, yeah. The next night, we got to see a Big Little Lies star right in the flesh. In the flesh. And we did not— anticipate what was what we were about to see but we went to the women in film variety party that was at gracias madre kind of this nice chic vegan mexican restaurant the first person we saw who wasn't on big little eyes was dolly parton and that was a great sighting julie like pinned like zeroed in on her she was on her way out so we got her just in time she was wearing this shimmery sort of um spangly, yeah. glittery dress. She yeah. was full dolly, also flanked by three men, one of whom seemed to be there just to hold her purse, which I thought was phenomenal. <laughs> and they were all, they all seemed to be waiting for the car, and Josh and I just went up and said hello, introduced ourselves, said it was so nice to see her out on the circuit, and asked, you know, whether she liked going to these Emmy events. And Josh, do you want to recount? <laughs> well, she... It's kind of, it's hard to even, I mean, she's Dolly Parton. How could we in any way mimic anything she was saying and didn't give it full justice? I would love to hear Josh's Dolly Parton impression. But she said no, but in a way that was, like, so loving, you know? Like, she she was like, no, she definitely doesn't, but... Right, she kind of kicked her head back with a huge smile, laughed, and said, no. I mean, do you guys? And we said, that's a good point. (laughs) But I feel like she was over it. 
But then she was waiting for a while, I guess, for her car. Right. Someone needs to check in on Dolly's, like, Uber service. <laughs> yeah. She has that I feel account. like you don't, like, the, like, you don't make Dolly Parton wait for a car. I know. Um, that was really disappointing. But then the other big celebrity, whoa, we saw Viola Davis. Oh, Julie was, had a great little interaction with her. So to set the scene, Julie already explained, was this vegan Mexican kind of sprawling restaurant. But they had set up a big station for Halo Top ice cream. And... Right, it was like a full-blown Sunday situation. It was a little low-rent just because it was worked by these guys, uh, these studs. And oh, like, yeah. Tuxedo T-shirts, which seemed like maybe the Halo Top PR team and like the organizers for this event, like I don't know, had kind of but mixed we, signals about what was going on. I feel like I, I mean, we've been to a number of these at this point. I never really seen a full ice cream sundae set up at like one of these fancy parties too. Well, it's not, it's not the most obvious fit for like a fancy pre-Emmys party. And it's kind of tragic because there's so many amazing toppings and amazing sundae flavors, but obviously no. No one no in their one cocktail is, attire is, is indulging. Even, is even getting close, except for except, Viola Davis. I know. Good for her. Uh, she had like a full bowl of ice cream. We asked her what she was having. She was trying the caramel, which she said was delicious. And she said, someone has to eat it. God knows no one else here is. Yeah, that so. was great. But she was sort of flying a little under the radar. But we'll tell you who wasn't. Alexander Skarsgård, who showed up with this insane mustache. If you haven't yet seen his look, you need to Google it right now. But on top of this mustache, which was very, like, 90s, like, to catch a predator, I would say. Yeah. He had this— It must be for—I asked you this when we saw it. Like, is it for—we don't know. Like, it doesn't seem necessarily—it must be for a role. It's either a role or he lost a bet. <laughs> but he he was wearing this uh, turtleneck, a turtleneck under a blazer, which is a very bold look. Yes. And he, we, because obviously we went into this weekend with like the big little lies or bust mentality. <laughs> right. So when we saw a Skarsgård, who obviously ended up winning for Big Little Lies Sunday night on the, at this party on Friday, we thought like we have to get, we have to get to him. So we kind of he, he was he was he wasn't sworn, but he had a lot of people around him, um, and he's obviously such a tall guy that he's like very easy to spot one of these things. Um, so I feel like people just kind of gravitate towards him a little bit. So then we I guess nudged our way in eventually, right? And we told him we were big fans of the show. Julie asked if um he like they keep in touch with the if the cast had kept in touch or if they were seeing each other. And oh, because you want to believe that they all have that group's text chain going and like who uses emojis? Like what is Nicole Kidman's emoji of choice or and, emoticon? And uh, he told us they have a WhatsApp group. He didn't really specify who was necessarily in it. Right. Who do you think he and Nicole definitely still communicate, especially after seeing how they interacted at the Emmys? Um, Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to the (laughs) Emmys. But he, I'm sure, I feel like it's Nicole, Reese, Laura Dern, I feel like Reese. Shailene Woodley is definitely not in their group text. No, I feel like Reese and Laura Dern definitely have a subtext just for themselves. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're definitely like the tightest. Nicole and Reese, I think we have a lot more to say about Nicole and Reese. But I feel like they maybe, I feel like Nicole doesn't even, she's that person in the group text that never writes back, you know? Like everyone else is talking and then maybe like a day later, Nicole writes in like, how fun, you know? Because like she's not at all keeping up with it, whereas Reese is like in it. Maybe Zoe Kravitz. I feel like they all get along with her and she's fun and... 
I can definitely see that. But Josh was asking about the second season because we all want a second season, obviously. But he said, you know, hopefully everyone here has watched the first season so they know that his character Perry meets an untimely fate. Yeah, so you would think in a second season of the show, and in whatever form it would take, Alexander Skarsgård wouldn't be a part of it. But when we said that, we said something to that effect, just like, you know, well, I guess if there's a second season, it doesn't really affect you either way because your character is obviously not alive. And he said with extreme animation. I know, it was um, like a wolfish like, grin, yeah, I'd like say. a devilish wolfish <laughs> grin. He said, are you sure about that? And, like, the way he said it was just striking Haunting. and jarring. Yeah, exactly. And it made me... I don't know. It, it sort of does feel like he knew something. I don't think he was just would just say that. Right. We both took a step backwards and just marveled at <laughs> yeah. the possibilities. But I guess he could. It could. Oh my, what if it was a prequel? Well, and then I was thinking today, like maybe he means like there'll be flashbacks. I mean, it or seems, else he has some sort of like twin brother. Or that, it could be American Horror Story style, where they do like everyone pays like a different character. It's like a repertory <laughs> theater kind of vibe. <laughs> I, mean, I would love that. I don't know. I just feel like it was an interesting comment from him. So I know. And there was no hesitation. He immediately responded. Yeah. And so that was sort of, I think, our big highlights from Friday at the Variety Party. So on Saturday, uh, before the Vanity Fair, Vanity Fair did a pre-Emmys party. I was given the opportunity as part of this sort of like press junket thing to talk to Nicole Kidman. It was a very strange interview setup, one which I've never taken part of before. It was, like, basically a press— because obviously for movies, Julie's been to a lot of these. I've been to one or two, but, like, there's a junket for a movie, and it's basically, like, a like star— Like, 20 reporters. A star is just doing interview after interview for their movie. This is basically just, like, a junket for Nicole Kidman. <laughs> like, it wasn't really for a movie. And she had flown in that morning, and we were meeting at 1 p.m., so she was definitely a little, like— not, but she didn't see that. The thing about Nicole Kidman is she's so ethereal and like alien and like perfect that I feel like when I fly in, it takes me like forty eight hours and I look like a swamp monster for most of that time until I like acclimate. She was like completely like immaculate looking, having flown in that morning with her family. Oh my um, gosh! And it so, was West Hollywood, right? Yeah, it was at this kind of. It was like a florist, florist shop, florist very studio. cool area. Mm-hmm. But she was doing video interviews. She was doing some print interviews. She was like, there, like there was all these sort of reporters in different areas of the florist shop. So like, imagine going to this florist <laughs> shop, and then you find Nicole Kidman just in the middle of this, and there's like a backyard. And the way they set up the interview was that they had this big table with like teacups and like plates and sort of it was like a full setting very very fancy and you were supposed to sit at the table to talk to her did you have like do they serve any drinks or anything well so a great moment so we sit down for this interview it ends maybe and it's one-on-one i might there was a few other people there but then when it ends at 115 it was like one for 115 or something like that uh they said you know all right like we have to move on they bring the next person in and then she said like, you didn't even serve, like, we didn't even have any tea, you know, because they didn't, like, serve it, but they just was sitting there. So then one of the publicists said, oh, Nicole, like, would you like tea? Would you like coffee? She's like, I would. And then and then I made a joke that it sort of reminded me of, like, a play when you have fake, sort of, like, a fake props. empty tea. Yeah, exactly, props. And 
she was like, you're right, like continuity errors. Like, and I like didn't really know. I think she was just, like going along with the joke. But she was like referencing how like I guess sometimes in like a scene in a film, like the coffee cup will be filled and sometimes it won't be. So we were like vibing on oh that my sort God, of slapstick. R- yeah, the riffing on the empty teacups. Me and her really bonding over our shared sense of humor. And what um, was she wearing? She was wearing kind of like a light blue blouse, and then she was, I guess, wearing. Gosh, how do I not remember with the pants? I think she was just wearing. She was very casually dressed, but like it, she looked like red carpet ready, even though this was like a casual Saturday afternoon look. She told us she, had supposed, she was supposed to fly Friday night, but her daughter had gotten sick with a fever, so she flew on Saturday. And she said she felt a little askew. But what I loved, I don't like, almost want to just read this quote because I feel like I didn't get it into my piece. And Oh, yeah, please. Okay, so when, when I said to her, oh, I said, what are you going to do tomorrow? Or do you have a speech prepared? She told me she doesn't, but she likes to think about it because she doesn't want to be completely surprised. And I feel like now having seen her speech, you can tell it is somewhere in between. Like, I feel like she had the idea of what she wanted to say, but then she does kind of just go off the cuff. But then I was like, what do you do to, like, relax or whatever? And she said, I really like reading and thinking about things and meditating on things and spending time with Keith and talking. I love talking. I don't like an alien. I I don't. It gets better. I love talking. I don't like big parties. I love dinner parties. I love going to dinner parties. I love that. I love being invited somewhere and it's yummy food and beautiful lighting and great conversation. That is such a bizarre (laughs) answer. Like who speaks like that? But the middle section of that quote. I love talking. I don't like big parties. I love dinner parties. <laughs> it was like, same. I kind of agree. Like, that's how I feel, too. But I like, just think that quote is incredible, the cadence and the way. Exactly. Like, who speaks in that way? And were all the reporters just, like, nodding? <laughs> like, exactly. Well, it was just, like, no one, I think, knew how to handle that. Also, like, what dinner party? Like, imagine Nicole Kidman going to, a, like, your dinner party. I think, like, I'd just be, like, terrified of saying the right thing and, like, I don't know, like, serving her food and if it was cooked right. I don't know. I just feel like it would be high stress. Did she, um, like, acknowledge any other pop culture? Did she watch any other TV shows? Were there she any seemed other? very shocked at the widespread, like, adoration for Big Little Lies, like, which she kind of touched upon again Sunday night. Well, every um, comment about, like, the power of television, it really is like Nicole is just realizing in 2017, like, how televisions work because everything is about, like, I can't believe that I'm able to be inside the audience's homes with them. It's such an intimate experience. It's I've true. never... It's true. Like, it really is. She was she was touching upon that she can't believe... I guess she was just in Australia with some 17-year-old girls, like her niece's friends. Her niece must be 17. Okay. Um, but she said that they were loving the show and, like, demanding a second season. And then men like it, too. And, like, Keith Urban's friends like it. And she was just, like, couldn't get over that, like, so many different demographics were so, you know, enamored of Big Little Lies. Which is, yeah, it was kind of—I mean, I guess she's never been part of a TV show, and her movies are usually more niche. I don't know. I don't know, but I love, love her perspective on Okay, so then—so, yeah, nothing else really about pop culture, though—oh, I did like that someone—we were talking about the soundtrack to Big Little Lies at some point, and then— 
she said, and you can get it on vinyl. <laughs> I was very excited about well, that. Well, I didn't know that, so I, I guess I'm glad. I feel like she actually is, like, a pretty good ambassador for the, like, remember, like, when her acceptance speech, when she brought up that you can still watch the show? I feel like she's, like, championing the show. She's really doing the marketing hustle, which I appreciate. Okay, but then the final Nicole Kidman for, in this segment, because we're about to talk to her about her way more <laughs> later, is that she... Uh, there was like, yeah, this Neutrogena moisturizer was on the table. And then after. What kind of moisturizer? I think I know. <laughs> and then after the tea hole little bit where I made my joke about the play. <laughs> I can't she, wait for your two person act like to <laughs> take know, on the road. Nicole and I are going to a UCB show and just, you know, because I think some stand up comedy, me and her would go really well. <laughs> but she said, God, she. I guess she just basically—oh, you know what? One of the publicists prompted. That's how it happened. And was like, oh, and, like, if ever, if anyone wants to try this moisturizer, which is <laughs> sitting next to the tea as it is at any dinner party or tea party. Uh, so Nicole's like, like, takes it upon herself to take it. She's like, oh, who wants to try? So—and then she's like, everyone was a little, like, hesitant— and then she put it on her own hands, and like, sure, why not? And then she's like, look, look at me. Like, I'm spreading the gospel. And then she like, puts it into my hands. Um, so, so you were sitting right next yeah. to her. So she, so Nicole, so she put the moisturizer, you know, like, uh, it was it was It was a like very, a hand massage, <laughs> a full-blown hand massage from Nicole Kidman. That's insane. It was a weird, it, let's just say it was not how I would have expected. All right, so then, so then I guess there's not much else about Saturday. This has all basically been our long precursor to last night, which was the actual Emmy Sunday night. So we got, we guess we got there a little before the ceremony. Right, we went downtown. You have to get there a little bit before because it's all you're in this huge Microsoft theater, so you have to make your way through all different like an airport amount of security. We took this Uber with some sort of curiously oh accented European fellow. Well, and that was, he was, I never had an Uber driver like this uh, who he was like snickering as we, Julie and I were obviously like just chatting about the weekend, like what we were excited about for Sunday night. And like every time we would make any comment to each other, he would snicker and he like would laugh. laugh. He said he wished he could come to the Emmys with, with us. us. <laughs> and Josh just did not respond <laughs> to that. I said something like, oh, yeah, you know, it should be a fun night. And then he said, well, you guys will definitely have fun. You're so funny together. He really either yeah. liked our banter or thought we were ridiculous. <laughs> I know. He was He was a good—it it it made me self-conscious to speak, though, because he was listening to everything we were saying, you know? Right, In the right. Pri- I mean, what I, which should be the privacy of an Uber backseat. I so, know. We needed that partition. I know. There was no partition. Um, but, yeah, he was. that was an interesting start to our night. And then— I guess we we had sort of a strange. We, I feel like, like we, we're trying to recreate like a crime scene or something. There was so much that happened in know, like the, the, the last ninety six hours. The level of detail we're giving to like just getting to the Emmys is like no one needs this much information. Anyway, so then we walk up to the actual Emmys and. We took our—you kind of walked aside the red carpet, which for me was—Julie's been on an Oscars red carpet. I had never seen a red carpet this wild. It was like—it was like a highway. It was crazy. Well, because they have, like, the celebrity red carpet, and then then they have this courtesy, this, like, pity red carpet for, like, all the humans, the regular humans. So you just, like, trudge (laughs) along. It's almost like you're you're walking through some sort of cattle call or something. Everybody's just, like, craning their neck trying to see over— who's on the actual red carpet. Right. 
sort of like a carpool lane set up. I know. It's kind of cruel because you're yeah. right next to, like, the important red carpet. I know, but you're, but you're just separated. moving in. Yes, and so you finally get to this photo op area where you can take a photo with a giant gold Emmy. And they have – I want to do a full interview with these poor staffers who – there are two staffers there who are just there to take photos. So people don't go crazy and are, like, trying to do boomerangs. It's weird, though, because there was such a long line to get to the photo op area. And it was, like, longer than to get into the Emmys. And then you go, and so many people, as you're saying, like would do these elaborate like boomerangs and ask them to take like eight different angles. So like everyone's really taking their moment when they get to their photo op. Right, right. But then we had to separate. Sadly, yeah. I went back into the press room, and the press room is just a bunch of like the worst dressed people at the Emmys, like <laughs> hunched over their computers. Um, and then they bring the winners backstage who answer a few different questions. So that was me. Was there like food and drink and like stuff for you? They, guys, it was the Emmys. I think were sponsored by Fiji Water, so it was you could only have Fiji Water. I think last year they had like Diet Coke. They even had beer there, but no. No, nothing like that. Then there was a buffet, which I didn't touch, but Alec Baldwin, like, pulled himself up there to the plate and just, like, piled on, like, a full buffet experience after he won his Emmy. That's great. I I mean, I'm sure they're all super hungry. I'm sure they don't eat all day. Right. No, it was bizarre. And then there was this woman who I I Instagrammed a lot. She's, like, 90 years old, but, like, also very Dolly-esque in that she's wearing all these spangly... Beaded, like last year she asked she, she needed to make a phone call on a landline. It's like a weird cast of characters. But then, Josh, you went inside. Yeah, so I was sitting in the ceremony. I was sort of towards the right. Um, I would say my most—the takeaways— I'm trying to think what other interesting takeaways that you wouldn't see on TV. I think one thing that I'm always shocked about, and I was noticing this more this year. I was at the Emmys last year, too was um, how many people, like, every time they cut to the commercials, like, people, there's, like, a mass exodus, like, to go to, like, to the bathrooms, to go out to the bar outside. Like, people, the aisles are just filled with people leaving. And then coming back in is, like, a massive line, too, because they don't let people in during the segments. So, like, if you, if you miss coming in back during the break, you have to wait another segment to come in. But there's just so much movement everywhere. Like, everyone's getting up, like... Every commercial break, there were certain people who got standing ovations, like Dolly Parton got a standing ovation, Oprah got a standing ovation, Lena Waithe, who won for Master of None, got a standing ovation. But then, you know, I was like, where's Nicole Kidman's standing ovation, you know? Right. Um, Well, how far away from Nicole and Reese were you? Maybe 30 20 rows back, 25 rows back. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad. But, but and like I took a kind of photo of when Nicole won, Laura Dern stood up sort of on top of, I don't know who. Which I didn't understand what she was trying to do. Was she trying to get a better view? But, but like, but you could like see her raised up. So I took a photo of that. Um, Nicole, I was looking to see if like Nicole and Reese were going to come back out into the bathrooms or anything. They never did. So I think that you go backstage maybe if they're going to go like hang out. Okay. Can we talk about why Reese was seated directly behind her? What planning meetings led to that? We, like, had, we had a really good conversation. A really good conversation. I don't know. We, had, we talked like for, a sec- for 30 <laughs> seconds to this random guy is what I mean at one of the – at the HBO after party. And he made a really good point, I thought, about, like, Elizabeth Moss was in the front row, but not Reese Witherspoon. Like, it's sort of weird 
that Reese wasn't in the front row. And it seems so pointed because Reese and Nicole obviously both starred in Big Little Lies. They both executive produced it. I feel like Reese did more promotional yeah. heavy lifting. So if anything, they should have been next to each other. I don't really know how they – I mean, I know they always put people in the aisles usually, like the big people, but, like, I don't – It seems so pointed that, that she had to sit right, right behind Nicole. And many people commented that when Nicole won – she didn't turn around. Which I thought was crazy. Of course, the, first, Reese. the yeah. first thing she did when she got on stage was to say, the like, Reese. Reese, we share this. But it was very weird to me that she wouldn't turn around. I guess. Because I, I, I feel like if Josh <laughs> or I won, we would be, like, can hugging you, Can you everybody. imagine if one of us won and didn't thank the other? That would be, like, the beginning of our feud, Betty and Joan or whatever. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like— Maybe she was so overcome, she didn't... No, she was not. <laughs> She's like a movie star. She knows exactly what to do. As we, I feel like every moment we saw her last night after this, it was like yeah. she's in complete control, control and command, and it is yeah, a that, performance. that is true. Uh, so then she, I guess, the, I mean, the, yeah, I, I think it was interesting to see that dynamic play out. I was sitting right behind someone who must have been either related to or affiliated with Big Little Lies, because she was, like, you guys know how I feel about the show. She was shrieking and standing anytime anyone won. Like, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, John Mark Vallee, the director. Like I love she, that there was someone reacting like, uh, and, like, more but, but, but she was just alone standing in the seat whenever Big Little Lies won. Like, shrieking, like, whatever. Oh, also, well, something interesting, I don't know if this comes off on TV, but it's sort of, I think, interesting, is that the the writing groups for... Uh, writing groups, the staffs for the different late night shows are by far the loudest and wildest and most kind of like they're definitely having the most fun. So like when they read the uh, nominees for those categories, like it's deafening. It's so loud. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. And everyone shrieks. And shout out to Julie Weiner, our former colleague who was on stage last night when John well, Oliver actually won. won an Emmy. Yeah. Um, OK, but let's talk more about Nicole and Reese. So you saw them backstage. Well, the first Big Little Lies person to make their way backstage was Laura Dern, who is just on a different planet, but I love it. She said she was going to give her Emmy to her mom because that's her original beacon. That's nice. She talked about how great it was to find her tribe. And then she was the only winner who, like, actually asked the reporters in the audience who were just, like, dead in the Uh, eyes, like, so tired. She's like, do you guys actually enjoy this? Is this fun for you? I always wonder. And Laura Dern, if you're listening, Josh and I are available to, like, Freaky Friday, Freaky Eternity. I know. We're going to have Laura on the podcast, and she'll just interview us. Yes. Like, we're not going to ask her a single question. Right, but the Reese Nicole dynamic was so interesting. Okay, to so you watch. have to say this quote, the the Reese's quote when they all went backstage to the press room. Well, I have to say when I was watching their actual acceptance speech that they gave together, I thought it was very cute that they gave it like they took turns at the microphone, and it was Reese who first said like Nicole, where are you? Like help, which I think people on Twitter were like that is also my prayer to Nicole Kidman. <laughs> But at one point, I thought that it seemed a little bit like that bridesmaid speech where they're both jockeying for the microphone. They both want to be the last person to speak. So they keep, like, adding on about how great it was to have the series that celebrates women or the heroes of their own story. So then we get the whole cast and crew finally makes their way backstage after they won the big award for limited series. And I don't know why I felt a little bad for Reese Witherspoon. Like, she's worth $180 million or something. She has an Oscar. Why do I feel bad for her? But it was 
it was just so hard not to see Nicole there in her red, all six feet tall, and her two Emmys, and Reese in her with her one. And and then I, I also feel like because you knew, I think we knew how much Reese put into this show, and like it, right. it just meant so much to her, and it obviously meant a lot to Nicole as well. But I think there was on some level you knew Reese was like. Right. You know. And Reese seemed like a little bit flustered and Nicole just everything she says was just with a perfect amount of like warmth and charm and obviously all the questions were directed at Nicole and Reese and there's like a six uh, like a full foot height difference between the two of them. And Which then my- I've never been more aware of than I think like on the show I wasn't even that aware of it but then last night I was like whoa. Just right. every time you saw them. Well when I like- spoke to the uh, Nicole's stylist back around Cannes she said she has to be very conscious whenever Nicole's going to be on a red carpet with Reese because of like the heel height and she said she tries to put Nicole in lower heels but I feel like last night those heels weren't super low so anyway <laughs> Reese Nicole was talking into the microphone and poor Reese whenever she would go to say something like the mic was so much higher than her this reporter behind me like shouted indelicately at Reese like speak into the microphone you have to lower the microphone (laughs) and poor Reese she kind of had a moment where she said I have never felt shorter on so many levels tonight which I felt like it was a very telling very loaded Loaded sentiment, um, but she she oh. just kind of she seems a little bit off her game. Where Nicole was like perfectly on point and talking yeah. about the experience of getting into character, and sometimes as actors you have to be uncomfortable and do uncomfortable things. And she made a joke about how she just did Aquaman, and that wasn't very disturbing. They were all asked about the second season. They all said it's up to Leanne Moriarty the author of the book, who refused to say that she was writing anything. She just said, like, I'm thinking about it. It's a beautiful possibility. And I think we, uh, I don't know, I think it was funny to us that Shailene Woodley didn't even come back to the press room. Shailene didn't even come back. Which I kind of love that she's just so not even, like, in the mix here. I love that Keith Urban kind of came into the press room so that he could watch Nicole on stage, which I thought was very cute, and that was, like, the only significant other who did that. So he was just, like, staring at her adoringly while holding her clutch. And then afterwards, this crazy reporter who's 90 and spangly and is just insane, like, bum-rushed Keith Urban and was talking about how they had, like— a mutual friend in common. I felt so bad, but he handled it beautifully, like listened to everything she had to say, then gave her a hug and said, thanks, baby, <laughs> and then left. Oh, but she wasn't trying to end. I, th- I thought you were going to say that she was trying to accost him with questions, but at least she didn't. Oh, no, I think it was, was like, like a, some weird personal anecdote. God. I mean, Keith, so this is a good oh, transition. Okay, yeah, go ahead. But I do want to mention that when Laura Dern was up there speaking, I th- her manager or her publicist who was back there with her had transition lenses on, which I thought was like a very— Shout out to, to Julie being to the first person on that in the in the show Renata's husband had transition lenses. Right. <laughs> so I think Keith and Nicole— is a good transition into us getting to the HBO party. Right. So we— Oh, oh we, well, Governor's Ball was in between. We we walked across yeah. the street for the Governor's Ball, which happens inside the Staples Center, and it is surreal because it is this huge convention center completely transformed into, like, this midnight and— It's crazy. There's It's like a wedding—imagine, like, a wedding cake topper, but, like, 
70 feet high in the middle of the room, and then the performers stand on top of that. As it spins around. As it around. spins around in the center. This is in the Staples Center. And, right. the, and then, like, the singer was from Dancing with the Stars. I didn't even understand who the singer was. And, and they have, like, a seated dinner for, like, 500 people, people. But I feel like of that, maybe 50 actually eat the dinner. Yeah. We saw Alexander Skarsgård at, Skarsgård at the bar. He was letting his friends just pose for photos with, with his, his Emmy. Emmy. Someone asked if he had gotten, like, an avalanche of texts and emails. He said he hadn't even turned on his cell phone. And then Josh got a great picture of people, like— Three people at once getting a selfie, a selfie with him. With him, he was, and he, I have to say, he and Nicole, I, and I'm sure most others too. But I just, those, those are the ones we were monitoring all night. I feel like they were so nice about it. Like I feel like I would have been annoyed a little. Also, remember when Nicole gave Alexander the kiss? What, what was that after they won? She couldn't turn around to acknowledge Reese, but then she gave him a full. After Alexander won, okay. he. Gave her a kiss on the lips, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter and today, like BuzzFeed, did a post on it because they like thought it was in front of Keith that it was shocking. I mean, I guess it's, I think it's more shocking that there was that display, but, but then, then no reason. Then no reason. So then, I guess we didn't see that much else of interest at the governor's ball. Sean Mark Valley had already his, planned a Zemi on the ground. Yeah, that was great. So then we went to the HBO party because we, we were all— We were determined. We were determined. To be there. So we somehow found a shuttle. This magical woman got uh, us in a shuttle that took us directly to HBO. At the Pacific Design Center had been transformed the courtyard. It was incredible. We step out of the car and enter our names. You have to, like, check in. And what did the woman say? Like, you've arrived at the Nicole Kidman Circus. Or, like, you've got here just in time for the Nicole Kidman Circus. Right. We thought we were being, like, I thought we were going to—yeah, like, I didn't know why she would know that about us or that anything. I feel like it just—at this point, it was visible on our faces what our mission was, I guess. And it's true. We turned to our left, and there she is on the red carpet with Keith Urban. And he was holding one of her Emmys, and they—she's just such a pro. Every single pose for every photographer there, and they had, like, a very passionate kiss, kiss. for the cameras. Yeah, and, like, I feel like that was quite the entry to the party, like, arriving right as they're, like, making out on the red carpet. We kind of watched from afar as they, like, snaked their way through these admirers. I will say I've never seen— celebrity, non-celebrity, anyone in life, the couple that, like, stays as close together at a party as Nicole and Keith. Like, I feel like most couples, like, you know, they'll they'll stay in the same area. They'll, you know, some, some will stay apart. They were. He I, had I, his hand. He was I, just, he like, was always so always, conscientious yeah. and, like, concerned about where she was. Was she okay? And also at this point— It was she, sweet. I yes. Guess, yeah. She's been in full hair and makeup for, like, 14 hours. It's amazing to me that she didn't have, like, a dot of, like, sweat. She was, like, perfectly matte, That's her true. face. Even Reese seemed, like, a little <laughs> askew. Yeah. But I guess it's hard not to seem askew and compared then, to Nicole. And then we were just basically in, like, epileptic shock for most of this because then—so then <laughs> Nicole— Gets over to the Big Little Lies area, and she's immediately greeted by Ava Filippi, Reese's 18-year-old daughter. Right, who I don't think was at the Emmys. Was, I don't think so either, but she must have joined for the after party. Very poised and, like, running the show and holding court. And she and Nicole clearly had 
Gosh, this is a nice symmetry. Apple Martin, Ava Filippi. These right, they clearly yeah. had Ava kind of gripped her, like held her at the arms, and was speaking up to her because Nicole Kidman's like seven feet tall, and just it seemed to me like she had something like very meaningful and special to say to Nicole, congratulating yeah. her, and they talked for like two minutes as they were kind of holding each other. And it was interesting because I was like, I feel like everyone and you know it makes sense is like, oh, what's the deal with Reese and Nicole, you know, and I feel like that to me actually was the most telling sign of that there is a real closeness. Like there should we should believe it anyway. Why? But it's just like that Ava is so familiar with Nicole and like was talking to her so fucking intensely for that long. Right. Um, and then Reese was kind of nearby talking to Laura Dern, I think. And Laura Dern was talking to Michelle Pfeiffer, who was also nominated, but she's married to David E. Kelly, who wrote Big Little Eyes. The scripts. And then Nicole, it was, so after I just said that thing about Reese and Nicole, it was kind of interesting that they didn't really interact at the party. They took their, they got together to take a photo, um, but then they sort of went their separate ways in the sense that Nicole and Keith sat down at the table that was earmarked for Nicole Kidman. Right, in this banquet, and she was kind of like dancing in her seat and kind of like fed Keith (laughs) hors d'oeuvres. I don't know. They're very much like they still publicly seem like they're still in that like honeymoon phase. It, it sort of reminds me of like a college kids who are dating or something like when they're just like always like like inseparable and like in the dining hall or whatever. Right. <laughs> and surrounding them, we saw like Julia, Louis Dreyfus. Who else? One of my favorite juxtapositions for some reason was that. So, like, the Big Little Lies mania was, like, sort of in the center area where their tables all were. But then, like, right adjacent was Jessica Beale, who just was, like, hanging out. No one paying her any mind. <laughs> like, I think she had, like, a three or four friends with her. But, like— But she looked gorgeous. Yeah, I, I loved her look and her great. hair. She looked really good. Um, so, Nicole was kind of seated, da- sitting down. People were just constantly coming up to her. Yeah. And we kind of lost track of Reese at that point. Well— Reese was like, yeah, I think she was talking to, she wasn't, Jim Toth was there, but they weren't necessarily next to each other. She, I saw her talking to Adam Scott's wife for a little bit. She was kind of milling around, and I feel like, yeah, we lost track. She wasn't near Nicole, though. Um, And then Nicole probably stayed, what, half an hour-ish. Stayed a half an hour, finally got up and was just, again, swarmed by people. people. And people who wanted selfies, and it was, it seems a little bit obnoxious, honestly. But, of course, she took every request in stride. Yeah, she didn't seem at all peeved. I know, and Keith just, like, the patience of a saint to wait while she takes a million selfies. Yeah. Um, So, like, she, and I think her departure was kind of the beginning of... But Josh oh, shared a special moment. But I moment. did. So while she was on her way out, I was I said congratulations because we had just spoken the day before. We shared that moisturizer moment, um, and she recognized she was, yeah, Josh. She was, she was very she was very sweet. I'm she sorry, immediately recognized. I'm sure the only him. thing in Nicole's mind was like, I hope Josh Duboff is at this HBO party so we could like. But celebrate. she looked the look of like recognition yeah, and no, just she, like she happiness. Nice. Yeah, especially was, after all these like randos were asking her for selfies. Yeah, we talked for like. You know, like thirty seconds, but it was she was very nice, and she re- like was ta- like referencing our conversation the day before. I'm like, I cannot believe I'm making Nicole Kidman have to think about like our weird like. She said she said she said I so loved our conversation <laughs> yeah. the other day, which is amazing to me. Like the a number of people she's seen probably in the past twenty four hours, and she remembered yeah. that. No, I think I mean I think actually you know what 
so I've seen situations where winners are squirted out way more kind of like secretly or like no pictures. No, and they look kind of – Nicole was down. She was, she was kind down. of saying hello to everyone. I know. She really, really did her part. But she's also like six feet tall. It's hard to just sneak out. It's not yeah. like they could just um, – And she was right in the center of things. Um, so then she left and then basically we were, we were, like, <laughs> we were like, what's our purpose left in life? Oh, Alexander Skarsgård, again, following us around the whole weekend. Right. Uh, Weirdly greeted Jack McBrayer. With, like, this intense hug. And Joel Kinnaman, who's another Swedish actor who's in the most recent season of House of Cards. And they're both these, like, tall Swedes. So I feel like you kind of couldn't take your eyes off of their their whole interaction. But it was was very interesting to see uh, Jack McBrayer and Alexander Skarsgård really share this moment. Yeah, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of Veep people around. But I feel like the centerpiece of the night was about... The Big Little Lies crew. Agreed. So, what was what would be your what was your highlight of the whole weekend? Now that we've gone through this crazy journey, that was a really like that was a minute by minute. I feel that <laughs> <laughs> we weren't. Like, I, I think hearing about your Nicole lotion experience was really good, and then the HBO party, seeing Nicole yeah. and seeing you interact with her. In the whole Reese dynamic of it all, the Reese of it all. So did you end thinking that there will be a second season or not? I would love for there to be a second season, but then backstage Nicole said something like, you know, it just it's so much work to get a season together and mm-hmm. all these actors together. I would love it. I don't know, though. Yeah. It seems like it's really the balls in Leanne Moriarty's <laughs> I part. feel like Shailene Woodley's not responding to that email. That Where is Shailene Woodley? Can someone Sh- check Sh- on her? I Where know, did she Shailene go? Shailene Woodley was not at the HBO party. And also, I kind of, uh, I thought this morning, did you see her quote from the red carpet? I guess she made some comment on the red carpet before the Emmys, like, oh, I don't have a room. For, she doesn't have a, she has no house right now, so she doesn't have a place to even put a TV, and she doesn't watch TV, but she likes to read. So she was kind of, like, trashing Ooh. the whole medium of television. Nicole likes to read, too, as we've learned oh, yeah, today. That's true. <laughs> I don't but, but Nicole would not be one to talk about, to trash television at an award show for right. honoring <laughs> television. television. Yeah. Um, so I think Shailene just does her own thing. I keep saying they, everyone's doing their own thing, but I really feel like Shailene's the most does her own thing of all that does their own things. Right. I don't know. I would just love to see that WhatsApp chain today. I don't know. I sort of feel like it's splintered off. I think you're right. You've, you alluded to this at the beginning. I feel like there's factions within. We've seen it up close and personal. Well, because we also know that Reese and Laura have vacation together. Yeah. Also, okay, we saw Ava talk to – this is pretty trippy. Ava talked for quite a while to Reese's daughter from the show. Right. And, and they were getting along really well. Right. And also to Laura Dern's two children. And Laura Dern's two children. Like, all those kids were hanging. Um, next generation of Big Little Lies. I know. I really hope it comes back. HBO, you would think after all these Emmy wins, they would really but, want but, to fast track this. But another Julie Josh uh, wild tour of L.A. What award was, show. What was your books. highlight? Oh. <sighs> Talking to Nicole after on, at, the, at the party was very memorable. And I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, I feel like it, the goop party was great. At, like the whole Apple Gwyneth thing. I feel like we moved on from that. This seems like it was seven hours ago. But like Gwyneth and Nicole in one weekend, what more can a boy ask for? <laughs> right. 
Um, but I was, yeah, I feel like we really got so many great comments and responses on we we really we've never Instagram storied more and we we it went was, wild and people were really into it. So right. We were, it was really fun interacting with you guys through the weekend. We really appre we were in all the Ubers to and from the events. We were like checking the messages. Yeah. So thank you guys for paying attention. So I think that does it for this week's episode of In the Limelight. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please uh, let us know any and everything about what you thought about the Emmys. We want to hear your feelings about Reese and Nicole and Shailene. And I know your interpretation of the Nicole yeah. Reese dynamic. If you have any questions, I feel like we provided more details than you'd ever need. But if there are details that you're still yearning for um, and you can review and rate us on Apple Podcasts we love that right also feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss these subjects you can also follow us individually I'm at Julie W. Miller and I'm Jay Duboff we also have an Instagram at In the Limelight Pod this episode was edited and produced by the wonderful Jordan Bell and we really appreciate and thank Goa Garden of Sound in LA for accommodating us uh, for this recording session Thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks for joining us, guys, and we will talk to you next week.